Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast, back on the air. This is Al Sacco with Zane Nafi for another edition. 49ers fans, it never ends. The QB talk never ends. Zane, Zane who, who is it this week? Um, I don't know, man. Maybe it was James Harden photoshopped. I photoshopped a, a picture of James Harden in a Niners jersey. That's how bad it's getting. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we'll get into the, the certain QB in Houston who, who may or may not be available. Talk a little bit about Robert Sala, who looks like he, he is on his way out. Uh, Trent Williams contract. We'll get into some of that. But before we do, we are so excited today to have our guest on 49ers senior team reporter, Kiana Martin. We're waiting a long time to have her on. She was a great interview. We covered a lot of topics. And here's Kiana. Zane and I are excited to finally welcome to the show 49ers senior team reporter, Kiana Martin. Kiana, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Why has it been so long? That's the real question. Zane and I were saying that we're like, we have not even had Kiana <laughs> on yet. And we were one of the, we're going to start to have a lot of guests on again this off season. You were the first name that came up. We cannot, cannot okay. wait to talk to you. Good, good. That makes me our- feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we always want to, want to ask our guest Kiana, when we ha- when we first talked to someone, I want to know about the journey you took to get where you are today. Can you take us through your career and how you came to work for the 49ers? Yeah. Given that, you know, we don't want this, to last about a good three hours. I'm going to give you the shortened version of how I kind of got to where I am today. But um, I originally, I went to school. I went to San Diego State. I studied sports marketing. I always knew that whatever I ended up doing, I did want it to revolve around sports. And through trial and error, found my way uh, kind of more so in front of the scenes than behind the scenes as I originally anticipated. But uh, my journey kind of started with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know a lot of 49ers fans don't really like hearing that, especially looking back <laughs> at last year. But I uh, started off as an intern there. And that's kind of where I really got my feet wet and, and got to learn about covering a team. And, and you got to think about it. This was back in, I believe, I want to say maybe 2015. And the Chiefs were nothing like the Chiefs that you see right now. There was no Patrick Mahomes. Um, there, there still was the Travis Kelsey, but uh, still developing into the tight end that he is today, but a completely different team. So I, I dealt with lows before I got to deal with any highs in my career, but got a lot of experience there and, and spent about a good season and some change there. And then I went and dabbled in the NBA for a little bit. I worked for the Denver Nuggets, which is a completely different speed than working in the NFL. Uh, it's one of those things where in the NFL, you kind of have a week to kind of harp on maybe a loss or it could be a win. But in the NBA, it's literally it's so fast paced. And if you lose tonight, you're already focusing on tomorrow. So that's something that was really new to me, um, but definitely enjoyed that. And then uh, fast forward a few years later, found my way uh, to the 49ers. I've been with the team since 2017. Um, math is hard, so I, I don't even know which season this is for me. I think this is, I just closed out my fourth season, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, uh, oh, that, that's how I remember. It was the same time around Kyle and John. There we go. That's how I do my math. Mm. But <laughs> I've been here ever since and, uh, kind of just been riding the wave alongside the team and, and I'm, I love it so much. I love the organization, what they stand for and, and what they're trying to do. So, Kiana, you, so then when I met you at that open practice in 2017, that was, you literally just got hired then, right? 
that I, I literally just got hired. And the funniest thing is that my first week, actually my first uh, day where I physically worked in the building because I, I worked a little bit remote while I was doing the transition from Denver to the Bay Area. But my first week was draft week. Mm -hmm. So I started on Monday, you know, draft starts on Thursday. I started on Monday and by Tuesday, it was Tom Rathman's induction into the 49ers uh, Hall of Fame. So my first, literally my first week, they're like, all right, there's Tom Rathman. Interview him. And I'm like, oh, okay, totally. Totally one of the, one of the best fullbacks to play the game. I can totally do that. Then the very next day, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we need you to hold an interview with Jed York. Oh, you mean Jed York, the owner of the team? Totally no big deal. They totally threw me into the fire <laughs> my first week, but it was great. Um, you know, and that was the year 49ers grabbed Solomon. And, and that year, that was the George Kittle year as well. So um, that, that was my, my introduction to working for the 49ers. And then literally when I met you during open practice, that was, that was, literally probably my first you know experience being there with the 49ers during their practices and it was a near-death experience too I, I don't know if you remember this but I, while we were talking um we were on the sidelines and like a, a piece of a speaker fell over and it almost fell onto you I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah just my luck you know what? I'm not even surprised by it I'm like yeah that probably did happen because that's just what it tends to happen in my life but yes yeah, <laughs> You know, good memory, totally good memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I mean, and it's awesome to have you on. It's awesome finally to talk to you. Um, and another thing that's awesome is your one-on-one -on -one videos. Love watching those. Love seeing you interact with players and seeing a different side of them. Um, do you have a favorite player or players that you had that that you interviewed? Oh, that's such a tough question. It's a really, really tough question because. I can't say, I, I know people say this all the time, like, oh, you're just saying that. No, literally, I, I cannot pick just one person. And that's for a number of reasons. Everybody has, you know, their own personality. Everybody has their own stories. Um, and I, I just, I genuinely love just kind of learning from those guys. And I think this is the one thing that I, I really love about my job and what I do is that when you, when you consider football and, and you compare it to the many other sports, this is the one sport where guys are in helmets, they're in pads. You can't really get to know that person as far as if you're watching basketball and you see a Steph Curry, you see a Kevin Durant, you see a LeBron James, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But I, what I love about what I do is I kind of get to kind of take off the helmet a little bit. You get to know these guys a little bit more on a personal level. You get to kind of learn about them, learn about their stories, their paths, and and. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite things. So in doing those one-on-ones, you know, we talk a little bit about, we do the football side, we talk about the games and, and we talk about, you know, what do they want? What do, what are they, you know, looking forward to this season? What kind of goals, what type of, um, I, I, it's just a number of things like on the football side we kind of talk about, but then we kind of turn to a little bit more of that personal level, getting to know these guys, having fun with them. Uh, you don't think of some of these big tough guys, you know, kind of letting loose and, and joking mm -hmm. around, but, but there's some really great personalities in the locker room. And, and I'm so excited every time I get to do these, just, just to kind of peel back a layer and get to know these guys on a personal level that you typically don't always get to see them at. Yeah. I think Joe Staley was one of my, I had a chance to talk to Joe Staley like a few weeks ago and he's like my own all time personalities from like the Joe show to like when you talk to him. <laughs> I mean, that guy's just amazing. He's awesome. Just an awesome dude. 
He's so much fun. And I think what I admired most about you, I'll be honest, my first, uh, that first year, 2017, when I first met Joe Staley, I was like, okay, um, I'm a little intimidated. He's a really big guy, but you know, like Joe Staley, he has his, his super jokey Joe's and then he mm-hmm. has his super serious Joe moment. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I first met him, it was a serious Joe moment. I'm like, okay, all right. Like I'm going to kind of stay away from this guy, but like <laughs> literally instantly he switched on it. It was that, that jokey Joe. And that's how I kind of got to know him. And, and what you see is kind of what you get when it comes to Joe Staley. Um, he, he always has that lighthearted personality. He's a fun guy. Guys gravitate towards him. He likes to give his teammates a hard time. So that's what makes Joe Staley one of the, I mean, just even when he left and just the reaction and the response you got from not just fans, but guys in the locker room too, the coaching staff, the personnel, the people in the building, the staff who've worked around him since 2007. Um, it, it, it honestly, that just goes to show what kind of guy he is. And it's, it's not a facade. It's not for cameras. That's just who Joe Staley is. He's a really, really fun guy. And Keanu, you, you think back to the season in 2020. I mean, you you just can't make it up. The the injuries on the team, dealing with COVID, the fires in California, and then ultimately you guys have to pack up and, and move to Arizona. Can you talk a little bit how the 49ers organization kept everyone together and going during those times? You know what? And then even while, as you're naming these things, I'm thinking about uh, aircraft malfunctions and I'm thinking about broken MRI trucks. And, and yeah. 2020 yeah. was definitely a year for the 49ers but you know what a lot of credit and i feel like i don't want anyone to think i'm saying this as a cop-out but but when i look to what kyle shanahan and john lynch did when they came here in 2017 the word that they kept being that, that everything kind of circle around was culture building a culture wanting the right guys in the locker room and I, I feel like just me kind of stepping back and looking at this i wasn't necessarily in that bubble but i did have interaction with some people that were there and these guys, despite everything that was going on, still wanted to fight and still wanted to win these games for Kyle. They still wanted to win these games for John. And, and that's the kind of guys that you want in your locker room. Uh, much credit to just literally everybody involved being able to pack up this team and move them out there. And, and I, I was out there in Arizona. I Again, I wasn't in the bubble, but but even me being out there for six weeks, I'm like, okay, this is getting kind of old. So I can only imagine what it is for these guys who are on a schedule of you wake up, you eat, you go to weight room, you go to meetings, you go to walkthroughs, you go to practice. Like that can just become so repetitive. So honestly, I, I just I think about my heart went out when like, I don't know how you guys are handling this, but the team absolutely did. And I think that has a lot to say just about the character of the guys in the locker room, the staff, the coaches, everybody. So now we're in the off season. I mean, we all wanted to be playing playoff football. Now we all want we all wanted them to continue playing. Uh, whether it was Arizona, San Francisco, wherever they're going to play. But I mean, like the team stops playing for the season, but people don't realize, like you know, for you and and, and the team as well, the work doesn't stop. What's your off season yeah. consist of? So my my off season. It's so funny that my friends are always like, "Oh, well, season's over. You can hang out, do this, you can do that," and I'm like, "Yeah, but no, like." Because, like you said, like it does not stop. Literally, as soon as that clock hits zero, that season is over. Your focus automatically goes to 2021. So as of right now, I'm currently doing all of my free agency prep. We have that coming up in uh, just about two months. The 49ers have a whopping 41 free agents. Literally, I was just uh, writing about it a few seconds ago, but 41 uh, 
free agents. That includes restricted and, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, where are they going to go? Uh, what top free agents are available? Who can the 49ers afford? Who can't they afford? Kind of already starting to look towards that. You also have the combine. Not sure how that's going to look this year, but also starting to do some preparation on the draft, looking at some of these prospects. Uh, what what direction could the 49ers go? I, they have that 12th overall pick. Do they move? Do they stay where they are? Uh, so my focus right now, literally from, from January 3rd, when the season ended for the 49ers, all the way until draft, even after draft, probably that's kind of where my focus is, is how this team can improve, what moves are they doing, and, and what 2021, the 2021 season will look like for the 49ers. And kind of looking back on, on, on this past season a little bit, with all the injuries the team had to deal with, there were obviously some guys who were thrust into bigger roles than they normally would have would have normally played on the team. And who were some players that stuck out to you and really took advantage of that opportunity? Oh, the the number one name that I always talk about is Gary Hyder. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to be a free agent this year, but what he was able to do, and I, I go back to the conversation that I had with him during one of those one-on-ones, and kind of just talking to him about his role with the 49ers when he signed with the team uh, back in free agency, he never expected to have that starting role. Yeah, it's cool if, if he could get some starting snaps, but he was like, I didn't come to the team thinking that, oh, you know, I'm going to take over for Nick Bosa or a D4. And he was like, and I was fine with that role. And he was like, you know, once that news came and he knew that, you know, he was going to be relied upon, he stepped into that challenge and he embraced it. and he. What he said was that he was just so grateful to John Lynch and co for trusting him in doing that and, and uh, did that well. What led the team in sacks, quarterback hits, um, uh, had those what, 49 tackles, I think. Uh, so just having the year that he had, um, I, I truly admire what, what Kerry Hyder was able to do. And then I feel like this is an obvious answer, but I just cannot overstate, you know, what Jason Barrett has been through. Uh, looking mm. at his injury history, uh, having, you know, this is his first year basically being healthy, playing this many games since his 2015 Pro Bowl year. Uh, I think I was looking at something today, and Pro Football Focus had him ranked as the 10th best quarterback in the league. That is huge for a guy uh, who had that history that he had, it, and for him to come back the way he did and have the season he did, uh, that's just one guy that I'm just beyond proud of. And, the list could probably go on, but but like you said, the injuries that the 49ers have had to deal with this season, I don't know if we've seen anything like this ever in the history of the NFL. And it was a lot of credit to a lot of these backups that have had to step up. Another name, as I'm talking about this, that, that pops up in my mind, Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, I mean, you, you know that Kyle Shanahan likes to mix around his running backs, and but you kind of know Raheem Mostert, that, that main guy. But then you look at what he did in New England, that game against New England and then the most the more recent game and putting up those career numbers and an undrafted guy. Uh, it, it just that's just some of those names and those guys that given the opportunity really took advantage of those situations and it's a number a number of guys that had to do that. But that a lot of credit goes to forty nine er scouting department being able to bring in those guys that were able to step up when needed. Al's a huge JWJ fan, huge Jeff Olson fan. Oh, I think he's yeah. great. I love the way he runs. I, I think he's great. Huge fan. So in talking about the offense, you know, in 2017, when Kyle got hired on, we knew that this, this team would have an offensive sort of 
focus and we knew that they would be explosive at some point. We seen them sort of add pieces with Kittle and then Debo last year and Mostert emerging last year and the guys like Wilson kind of emerging this year. And then in the draft this year, they added Brandon Ayuk. And I think that he's going to be a star. This guy's absolutely like from day one, he's been impressive. Can you talk a little bit about his emergence? My goodness. I Someone actually uh, tweeted something at me yesterday and it was Kyle Shanahan's reaction when he selected Brandon Ayuk or when he got Ayuk with the 25th overall pick and the mm. smile on Shanahan's face. I'm pretty sure he still has that smile on his face when he thinks about what the rookie is, has been able to do this year. But, but my goodness, I mean, he might be overshadowed by, you know, the Justin Jeffersons and what he was able to do his rookie year. But, but Brandon Ayuk is such a special talent, what he's able to do. And then not only that, but how Kyle Shanahan can use a guy like Brandon Ayuk and having the numbers that he had of what I believe, if I'm not mistaken, led the team with um, almost 750 yards. He had seven touchdowns uh, for his first year in the NFL. And just considering what he can do, imagine, he didn't even have a full off. Mm -hmm. So there uh -huh. was no training camp. There was no OTAs mini camp. No, he literally kind of had his Zoom meetings and they had a, a few practices and then went straight into a season. So just imagine just a full off season just to really get get uh, comfortable with Kyle Shanahan's offense. And he said, like, this, this year was not anything what he would expect. He, it was nowhere near seamless. Someone said, you know, it looked effortless. And he was like, it was nothing like that. So it's just imagine what he'll be able to do with another year uh, in the system developing. And then not just that, but a healthy Brandon Ayuk and a healthy Debo Samuel. Uh, and let's throw in also a healthy George Kittle. Uh, that has to be something that Kyle Shanahan is definitely smiling about and looking forward to in 2021. And with all the free agents they have coming up, the pieces around those guys could, could look a lot different next year. Who are some of the players you think should be priorities for the Niners to bring back? Oh man, yeah, goodness. And then you can you you also add in what the salary cap could look like in 2021. Um, but there's so many I feel like key players in, in this team, just like last year. Want they want to keep that core together, but a lot of that's going to be very very challenging considering you have to pay a guy like Fred Warren as well. But uh, just throwing out a couple of names, you look at Trent Williams. I mean, that's probably the biggest one right there. Um, Coming off of, you know, he didn't even play in 2019, but he stepped right in. You you lose Joe Staley, but you insert another Pro Bowl, All-Pro left tackle, and it's like everything is just seamless. What he was able to do this year, um, I, I feel like he, he deserves the brink struck. Um, don't even let him touch foot in the free agency. That's just a guy mm -hmm. that I think um, I, the 49ers, you you can't get into a better situation than what you did having a guy like uh, Trent Williams. And then you have Kyle Juszczyk. Uh I, I know Kyle Shanahan loves his offensive weapon and how he can use him. And not many teams utilize the fullback position, especially considering the way that Kyle Shanahan does. Uh, so I think that's another guy that he would love to have back with. Again, it's a number of games, just like with Trent Williams and the rest of the guys there. Uh, Kaylon Williams. Another name right there, the nickel corner, uh, dealt with injuries this year. But my goodness, when he's on the field, he makes such a difference. And it takes me back. I promise, like, the last, like, two, three weeks of the season become a blur because that's when, you know, you, you know you're out of the postseason. But it was that game where, you know, he left the game, I believe, twice 
due to injury, but still made his way back onto the field and still made an impact, even though not being 100%. Just another guy who I think is extremely special. And then I talked about Kerry Hyder, another guy who, you know, you're hopeful. He want he wants to command more of that uh, pass rusher ta- uh, money, but hopefully the 49ers can retain a guy like him. And the list goes on. We talked about Jason Barrett, but just a couple of names that I feel like if the 49ers truly want to keep that core together, those are some of the names that they're going to have to consider and figure out a way. How can they pay all of these guys? Because they were definitely instrumental to this team, uh, especially, you know, considering what they could do in 2021, having a healthy roster. And another guy that was instrumental in the team was Robert Sala. And the news cycle has been dominated by Robert Sala interviewing with the Jets and the Eagles and, and possibly elsewhere. But the job that he did, considering losing Nick Bosa in the second game of the season and all of the injuries that he had, didn't have Sherman for most of the year, didn't have most of his corners for most of the year, and this was still a top 10 defense. Any, any metric you have, they're a top 10 defense. Can you kind of talk about the job that he did and how the 49ers might replace him if he leaves? Uh, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. I am still crossing my fingers. You know, you always want to see people move on and, and do great. But this is the one thing where I'm crossing my fingers that if I just some chance, you know, maybe he can just stay with the team. But it, it's just looking at how the players react and how they respond to Robert Sala. It just says so much about his character and who he is. And, and I remember talking to Fred Warner uh, a couple of weeks back, and he said he – you know, he gave a lot of credit to some of the guys that just kind of helped develop as a linebacker. Of course, Quan Alexander, Malcolm Smith, um, he brought up uh, D'Amico Ryans also. But he was saying that Robert Sala kind of helped shape his mindset and who he is when he's in between white lines. And he was just giving a lot of credit to him. And, and, and that, that same thought, that same reaction and feeling I feel like goes across the entire defense, that energy that he brings in. And, and that's just, those, those are some of those intangibles. But you look at what he was able to do with this 49ers defense. You brought it up. You look at numerous categories. 49ers still sitting at a, as a top 10 defense, despite being without Nick Bosa. You're without D4. You're without Richard Sherman. You're without a number of players. You no longer have, you know, your DeForest Buckner in the interior. You're you're putting in a rookie right there, again, with no offseason. But just what he's been able to do, uh, it's a true testament to who he is as a coach and who he is as a person. And I I promise you, I am crossing my fingers. I want to see him do great, but just not just yet. Not just yet. (laughs) I want to keep them all here for ourselves. But, no, he he definitely deserves it. Um, And... I'm so excited just to see, you know, what's next for him. Yeah, I kind of had my fingers crossed too that he's just a terrible interviewer. And <laughs> horrible <laughs> interviewer. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think that's going to happen though. But hey, D- yeah. D'Amico Ryan is a guy that we continue to hear a lot of good things about in somebody who could maybe step up and be the defensive coordinator. What are some things about him that, that impress you? Yeah, so I'm going to go back to my conversation with Fred Warner and he kind of, packaged it all up for me when I asked him about D'Amico Ryan. You know, we talked to Robert Sala every week during the season, and we talked about, you know, the mindset of the defense and how they plan to attack whatever offense they're playing against. But we don't really get to talk to D'Amico Ryan much. So I think that's what was so special about the conversation that I had with Fred. He said, when you see D'Amico Ryan on the field, looking at his tape, his 10-year history in the NFL, him as an all-pro, him as a pro bowler, 
He said Janiko Ryan is a direct reflection of who Fred Warner, of who Dre Greenlaw, who Aziz Al-Shair, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, any of the 49ers linebackers. He said that Janiko Ryan is a direct reflection. I think that says a lot, especially looking at this year that Fred Warner has had truly just continuing to blossom into a, a, a top echelon middle linebacker in the NFL. And a lot of that credit is just due to D'Amico Ryan. Kyle Shanahan was talking about him uh, prior to the exit interviews and just his makings and what makes him, you know, such a great teacher, what makes him such a great leader. And uh, I would not be surprised if the 49ers do look his direction uh, as a potential replacement for Robert Saul. I mean, he's been under Saul for the last four seasons, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I think he, he definitely is qualified and would be one of those top candidates for that, that role. All right, Kiana, it took us way too long to have you on the show, but we definitely got to have you back <laughs> again. So thank you so much for the time today. Come back anytime. Any, anytime, you guys. I, will, I am glad to join you guys. I had such a good time. Thanks, Kiana. No problem. You know, Zane, the one thing that I think stuck out to me the most from Kiana's interview was what she said about Tomiko Ryans in that the 49ers linebackers are, are, are a direct reflection of him. Because you look at their linebackers, like she said, Warner, Greenlaw, these guys all come in and, and, and they just play fantastic and, and they're all over the field. And it looks like Salah is going to be gone. I mean, it's a major upset if he's not. I don't think the Jets wanted to let him out of, out of their building and he's going to the Eagles. He's going to get hired by somebody. But if it is Ryans, that makes you feel kind of good, right? From what Keanu said, like he could really step into that role. I think so, because if you look at the linebacker unit, it's the only unit really to me that's getting consistently the most out of guys that you don't think should give you the most. Like Fred Warner, who, who was just named an All-Pro a couple of weeks ago, very deserving of that All-Pro nod, but Fred Warner was named an All-Pro in his third season. You know, he was a third round pick. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, who was a fantastic up and coming player and one of my favorite players on the Niners, he was a fifth round pick. And then Aziz Al Shair, who's another guy who's a really, really good unknown player that will make himself known, hopefully in the, in the coming seasons, was an undrafted guy. And they've been able to get that unit to be like the most, probably one of the most solid units on the roster, if not the most solid unit on the roster. Like, I'm not worried ever about the linebackers. That's the funny thing. Like, I'm, I'm worried about a drop off in other positions if guys can't play or guys hurt or whatever. I mean, but the linebackers they're the one unit that I'm like, all right, that unit, it's one of the best in the league. And I, I don't think I'm, I'm being a homer here by saying that the linebacking unit is one of the best in the league. Oh, absolutely. And, and you have Warner who, who could be the best. If not, you know, he's, he's one, two, he's right up there. And those other guys that just step in. So it, it just, you know, it gives you confidence because that when Salah goes that he can step in and do it. And they're well coached on the defensive line. That's another group that lost, Ford and Bosa and Thomas and all these injuries and they still perform perform pretty well. So I think the defense is going to be okay. Uh, another guy they could bring in, I guess, is Raheem Morris, right? Um, yeah. He he's another possibility. Dan Quinn is in Dallas now. Mm-hmm. Um, Gus Bradley's with the Raiders, so so those names are out, and I I really don't know how much they were really going to be in the picture anyway. I think it's going to be Ryan's. That's my official prediction when Salah goes. I think they're going to promote with, from within. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think you need the sexy name if, if you have somebody who's ready, willing, and able to step up already on your coaching staff, and I think they have that. If Salah goes, right? We still don't know yet. <laughs> he's, he's gone. Come on. I am down today. What was he there for? Two days or whatever? Um, I, I almost think he may have his choice 
of two or three teams the way it looks right now. I, I, so. I, I don't see there's – I can't see that unless, unless maybe there's a team or two that maybe he doesn't want to be with the Jets or if there's mm-hmm. another team that he's just not that thrilled about and he decides not to take one of the jobs. I mean, I guess that's a possibility, but I can't see him not getting offered one of them. I mean, he seems like he's the hottest name out there right now. It seems like it, yeah. And that's kind of kind of funny because he's really endeared himself to the 49ers fan base. Like I remember a couple of years ago, the the Niners fans were kind of calling for his head and saying he should be fired and everything. And now he's I think that's the best sort of mark as a as a coach was when you leave the fans and the organization misses you. And he's kind of left that indelible footprint on the 49ers where they understand his importance and i think that it's taken this season to really get a lot of people to understand the importance of robert sala internally they all knew how important he was and how good he was but i think that you saw him grow so much as a coordinator this year and as a coach adapting to all of the losses that you mentioned on the defensive line and, and the corners being out for so long like kwan williams sherman and mosley were all out for a, a period of time altogether and when that happens like you really have to dig down deep and you really find out how good how good coaches are and he was fantastic and yeah, I don't know what job he's going to take. I think he should be a head coach. He's earned it. I thought he was going to go to Detroit. He evidently didn't do so well in that interview, and I'm hoping, as a 49ers fan, that he doesn't do well in his other interviews that he ends up right. here. That's not going to be the case. I think that he'll end up really out. I think that he's waiting for that Jacksonville job. There's all those rumors about Urban Meyer possibly going there and, and potentially filling out a coaching staff there, and I think that's one of the jobs that Salah is waiting on because he started his career there, right? Remember, he... He started under Gus Bra- uh, under uh, sorry um, yeah it was Gus Bradley in 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 uh, Jacksonville at one point so I think that he's possibly waiting for that job to to open up or whatever's going to happen with Urban Meyer and then he's going to make his decision I, I really don't think that he's going to come back to the 49ers just because he's kind of outgrown that position he's he's proved it and I think he's going to make a, re- a great head coach now one of the ways that you mitigate that loss as, as a team is you take somebody who already knows the system and you install them in place of Robert Sala. And that's, I think D'Amico Ryan's is going to be that guy. I'm with you. It's probably going to be D'Amico Ryan's as, as an internal promotion. It's if it's anybody else, I'm going to be absolutely shocked. Quinn and Gus Bradley are like outside shots to me because they know the system, but you may see a, a different type of system next year where it's not necessarily like a single high safety um, cover three sort of defense. You may see like a hybrid that they kind of started running when Sherman was out because they needed to be able to play man uh, as well as get some pressure by bl- blitzing corners more. So, and Al, if you, if you notice one thing, and I know I'm going kind of ranting here, but if you notice one thing, they contained Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson the second time around, both, both times. Yep, and the they, they, and they, 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 to this point, have not been able to contain Kyler Murray. The three games that they played him, he was running wild on them. And the way that they did it, they brought more pressure from from corner blitzes than they typically do. Like Robert Sala loves that slot corner blitz. Like Kamal Williams is really good at that. But he he brought like from the field and boundary corners. He brought pl- pressure from there, and that's something that he's never done before. And I think that you saw him evolve into a better coach because of it. Because he started doing things you never saw before. He was blitzing way more than he did in the past because he couldn't get pressure with four. So I think and I hope that they're going to take some of those things going forward and they're going to integrate that into whatever new defense the new coordinator brings with them. And that's something that 49ers fans have, have to look forward to. Man, I don't want to see Salah go to Jacksonville with Trent Baalke. Uh, how did oh. Trent Baalke get another job, man? I can't, can't believe I, that. Like, I don't want to see it. I mean, I can't believe that guy got another job. I, I, can't, I can't fathom it. What he did to this roster, 
from 2012 on, absolutely, he took a loaded roster and everything he tried to replace, any any vital piece that he tried to replace, he messed up. Mm-hmm. Whether it was Tank Carradine, whether it was Marcus Martin, uh, the other guard that he drafted in the third round, names escape, escapes me right now, whether it was passing on Dak Prescott when Chip Kelly wanted Dak Prescott for Will Redmond and Richard Robinson, trading up for Joshua Garnett, completely ignoring the quarterback and the wide receiver positions, the ACL stuff. I can go on and on. The guy destroyed the roster. I'm thrilled he had a good draft in 2011. He destroyed the roster after that. AJ Jenkins, the Michael James, I mean, it just goes on and on and on, these draft misses that he had in, in horrible free agent signings and everything else just destroyed the roster. I, I cannot believe he's a gem in the league. I, I can't. So I don't yeah. want to see Robert go there. I no, yeah, I think I go there, and I want to watch that blow up from afar. I'll sit and watch the fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People don't remember that after the 2014 season, which was Harbaugh's last season, like Balky was talking about. Remember, Kaepernick signed that "quote unquote" team-friendly deal. And yeah, signed that. He was quoted as saying, "Like because people were questioning him, they're like, you understand they can cut you after two years, right?'" But he was like, "No, it's okay. This allowed them to sign more of my teammates, and that's what we want to do, right?" He was quoted as saying that. Yeah, and what does Trent Balky do? Doesn't bring, doesn't even talk to Frank Gore after that season's done. He doesn't re-sign Upati, doesn't re-sign Crabtree. Basically, lets Justin Smith walk and retire without talking to him. He tanks the entire roster. He literally lied to the fan base that said, and he said it was a retooling, not a re- rebuilding, and it turned out to be a rebuild. They hire Tom Sula. Like, I mean, this guy was an absolute liar and a fraud. And I can't believe that Jacksonville was dumb enough to hire him as their GM. And I mean, it, hey, it's make your bed, you, you sleep in it, right? That's fine. Jacksonville, you want to do that? That's fine. You have to live with the results. But I, for one, cannot believe that Trent Baalke got a, any job in the NFL, let alone a GM job. That guy was an absolute fraud and a liar. I have nothing good to say about Trent Baalke. Yeah, the dude honestly believes you don't need quarterbacks, wide receivers, or ACLs to win football games. Like, I think he'd just play with an offensive line and running backs if he could. He's just he's a joke. Joke. All right, we have, we have to talk about, let's have some fun with this one. That guy down in Houston, that quarter, what, what's that quarterback's name in Houston saying? James, oh, you said man. James Harden? James Harden? Um, Deshaun Watson. And this <laughs> looks like, look, this, it starts out where you hear, oh, he's not going anywhere. A couple days go by, it looks like the situation's uglier and uglier and uglier. Guys I respect, like Mike Silver, are saying, you know, it's really, it's really bad down there. Looks like he's going to probably want out. And if he wants out, I would think there's probably about 25 teams that are going to be calling. And the Niners should absolutely be one of them. Now, what do you give up for somebody like Watson? I mean, it, it's, it's going to be multiple ones, right, to do mm-hmm. that. The question is, do you want to do that if you're the 49ers? For me, I, I would. <laughs> I, I think you put a player like that in Kyle Shanahan's offense and, and the Niners are Super Bowl contenders, playoff contenders, whatever you want to call it, every year. I think he will be that good. I think I already think he's, he's a top five or six QB, probably, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right around there. Yeah. And with Shanahan, you're talking MVP level. Look, Somebody made a really good point about Aaron Rodgers, and I, I would credit them, but I don't remember who it was. It was in an article. And they said, what you're seeing, you know, LaFleur runs Shanahan's system. And mm-hmm. what you're seeing with Rodgers this year is an elite quarterback in this system, knowing the system, performing at the highest level. And you said, what did Rodgers have? 44 touchdown passes and four picks or something ridiculous this year? Yeah. He was, he was outstanding. He's probably going to win the MVP. You get an elite player, and I think Deshaun Watson's an elite player in this system. Sky's the limit for the Niners. Sky, sky's the limit. And then you build around that guy. He's the guy you're building around now. 
So if if he is available, I mean, you know how I feel about this quarterback stuff. I I, I think the Niners have to go all in, whatever whatever it takes to get him, because you pair him with Shanahan. You, and again, you saw what Matt Ryan did, who's a very good quarterback in Shanahan's system. Think what an elite quarterback can do with Shanahan. Watts going to be the first elite one, and the sky's the limit, absolute limit. I just wish they would have drafted. I wish they would have drafted him in 2017. I oh, really that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. And, th- and that's where I love Kyle. But that's, that's where the criticism of Kyle can come in. He yeah. did not look at Watson. He did not look at Mahomes. That's, that's where it can come in. I love Kyle. I love him as a coach, but yeah, if they just freaking drafted him four years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Sorry. They're, yeah. They're paying for their sins now. So I think that I'm, I'm going to, I agree. I love Deshaun Watson. I'm, a big Deshaun Watson fan. I wanted them to draft him over Solomon Thomas back then. Uh, and, and they didn't. So now it's like, all right, well, you're going to have to pay for that with draft picks with future draft picks. So I think that as long as you can get this done, hypothetically, we're, we're dealing in complete hypotheticals right now. Right. And, and we're saying absolutely. And we've heard about the Miami rumors and all that stuff too. And, and we've heard about all that stuff. Right. So like you said, it's going to be a bunch of teams, a boatload of teams that are going to try to trade for him if it happens. So, that being said, you're going to have to outbid some people. But the only caveat I have, the only thing I have is that I really, if this, if this were to go down, I would want them to do it without weakening their core of their team. Like there are certain players that are untouchable. Like you cannot trade any of those guys. And oh, I don't think there would be players. I think it would be picks. You yeah. think so? Yeah. I, I mean, I would, yeah. hope it's picks. I would hope it's just picks. And if Sala goes and if uh, Martin Mayhew, who we haven't talked about, goes, they get three uh, third round picks. Um, they get two of them. So actually, sorry, they get three of them. So they could potentially trade those comp picks as well um, to, to be able to move uh, to get to Sean Watson. But look, like when it comes down to it, number one, I would love to get to Sean Watson, but the flip side of this is also like, you're not just a quarterback away. Like you're not, that's, that's the reality of it. And as much as 49ers fans like to think that they are like, they're not the, the 49ers need more than just a quarterback. They need to have, corners and they need a, a, a pass rusher opposite bosa they need interior line help like i would love to just trade for deshaun watson but i would hate to put him behind this line besides trent williams and tomlinson who have been fine half of your line stinks and if you trade for a quarterback you damn well better get some better offensive linemen better offensive line play and it starts i think with the center uh croc talked about it last episode where the center position is so important to the offensive line so i think that if you make that trade and you give up multiple first to get there, you got to be right. You have to be right about this. He's got to stay healthy. And I think that you're going to have to spend more on the offensive line. And whether that weakens the team or not, I mean, I'm not a capologist. That's up to Parag to do. But it's not just as simple as trading for Deshaun Watson because like, okay, well, if you trade like two first and two seconds for him, for example, right? And that's just a literal, literally an arbitrary number I'm throwing out. I don't know what the cost would be. You're trading four early picks over the next two years, which means those are rookie contracts that you need to have to be able to fit under the cap for high quality players. What you think will be high quality players because you get them early. So you're foregoing that opportunity to draft four players potentially that will be impact players to be able to get Sean Watson. So you better do the most with what you have currently on the roster. And that means that everybody else has to stay healthy around him. And that's something that they have not been able to do. So again, I'm all for it. I would love to have Deshaun Watson. I think that immediately makes you a championship contender, provided you can stay healthy. Because if you can't stay healthy, then we're going to see another repeat of this season because you don't have, you no longer have that depth that you previously had. Like, Al, we, I think we can agree that 
after this offseason's over, 2021, the 2021 team is going to look vastly different than a team that just one year ago had just beaten the Minnesota Vikings and was on, on, our, on their way to the championship game. Yeah, probably. I think we on that. So I will say this about Watson, though. Think This is how good he was this year. Listen to these stats. So he was second in intended air yards this season per attempt at 8.9, right? Mm-hmm. And he was still fifth in on-target percentage at 80.3. 80, He's throwing the ball downfield, and he still had the fifth best on-target percentage. The only other QBs who were even in the top 10 in both were Russell Wilson, who was sixth, Intended air yards per attempt at 8.6 and seventh at on target percent percentage, 79.5. Mm-hmm. And Josh Allen, who was eighth in both, 8.5 and 79.1. Mm-hmm. So you're talking three pretty elite guys right there. And I, I just think it, he's in Shanahan's office again. It just, it just transforms it. I think if you can get an elite guy like that in there, completely transforms it. Now, is there somebody in the draft that he thinks can be Deshaun Watson? We'll see. Is somebody like Trey, Trey Lance eventually if they... If they follow the Niners or the Niners trade up to him, we'll see. We're going to have all offseason to talk about that. But it's, it is going to be interesting, and this Watson thing is going to be something to watch. And it ties into what I wanted to talk about next. And, and you mentioned Trent Williams being one of the good offensive linemen. Well, we hope he's even on the team next year, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're starting to hear a little bit about, are they going to re-sign Trent Williams? Is he going to free agency? What's going on? I have a couple different thoughts on this. I almost wonder if the Niners don't quite know how they want to approach it yet, because we don't know what their plan is at quarterback. So are they looking to make a trade at quarterback? Are they thinking about this Watson thing? Are they thinking about somebody like Stafford? Although those two quarterbacks, I don't think their cap hits this year are that high that it would prevent anything. I'd have to check on that, but they're not astronomical this year for those two. Are they thinking about someone? Does Dak Prescott become available? Is that someone they want to take a run at? So are they, are they kind of slow playing the Williams thing? Maybe. Another train of thought on it is, listen, it happened with Buckner. The Niners put their price on a player, and if the, if the player goes above it, the Niners walk away. We've seen it happen over and over and over again. I, I hope that's not the case with, with Williams. I, he's a terrific left tackle. I want to see him back, but look, we've seen it happen. You know, They, they traded Buckner. If you don't meet their price, the, the Niners are going to walk away. And they, they, play, you know, they, they paid market value for Garoppolo or what it was going to be. You know, it was more than he was. I think he was a top paid quarterback when he signed it, but they knew he wasn't going to be within like six months, right? Mm-hmm. The way the quarterback contracts go, so they they pay market value for the quarterbacks, but all their other deals are kind of a lot of upfront money that they can get out of quickly. And a guy like Williams, you don't know if you can do that. So that's my thought process on it. It could be one of two ways that the Niners are slow paying it a little bit. Maybe they're doing a little bit of a low ball thing right now. Time will tell, but the Williams situation is one to watch. Yeah, I think so. And I put out a tweet earlier, kind of looking at the way that he was acquired and looking at what they gave up to get him and and this new recent trend, which isn't a which isn't a big deal, but they did it with D Ford, they did it with Emmanuel Sanders and, and they did it with Trent Williams, where they kind of made these win now sort of moves, which is great to see because the Niners never used to do that, right? Like when when right. Yours first took over. I mean, they, they never made that move because they never had the guts to do it because they valued their graphics too much. So they made it's a departure from what they usually do, which is awesome. It's it's great to see. And it almost worked last year. And it should have worked last year if they won the Super Bowl. But they let Emmanuel Sanders go. And I understand that because they had Ayuk on their mind and, and this was a guy that they wanted and they got their guy. And Ayuk has far outperformed anything I think Emmanuel Sanders would have done uh, in this offense. So I I, I'm not I'm not really questioning that. But the the Trent Williams thing, it's like okay, if you trade for these guys, like they they you can't repeatedly just have like one year rentals. Like they've got to be 
that some of these guys you got to sign, right? Like I'm not saying all of them, but some of them you, you have to be able to bring back because you're looking at guys that are in the top five in their position and they've got, Keanu mentioned three of them, right? Like Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, and Kwan Williams. Like to me, Kwan Williams is the best slot corner in the NFL when he's healthy. Like there's nobody better. But when you have those guys that are free agents and, and you have an opportunity to bring them back, you got to bring them back because they are your core guys. And these are the guys that are doing the heavy lifting and you can build supplemental players around them and role players around them. But you have to have players that can, that can do the heavy lifting. Trent Williams is one of those guys. He's a guy that knows the Shanahan offense. Uh, he's a guy that wanted to come play here for Kyle Shanahan after sitting out for a year. I mean, he could he could have gone anywhere. Really, anybody would have wanted would have wanted a Trent Williams, but he chose to come here to play for Kyle Shanahan. So I think the Niners have an, an upper hand on that. But I really think that he he's earned the right to be a free agent and to test the market. He's a fantastic player, an All Pro player, one of the best tackles in the game. But I think that at the end of the day, you're probably not going to find a better situation for you personally in terms of the scheme and the coach than Kyle Shanahan, because that's the guy that you know the most and that's the guy that you know the best. And that's the guy that respects you the most too, really, honestly speaking. So we'll see what happens. I think that this is a must, like if he leaves, I don't know what you're going to do with left tackle. I honestly don't, there's no replacement plan there. So right. again, if you trade for Deshaun Watson and you don't have Trent Williams, I don't know what they're going to do at that point. And on top of that, if you trade for Deshaun Watson, you don't have a first round pick to replace Trent Williams with. Because theoretically, you're going to give up for nothing less than at least this year's first round pick. Right. So you're you're operating on a really slippery slope right now. If you're the 49ers, you've got to bring you've got to find a way to bring Trent Williams back. Like Keanu said, back up the brings truck for him. Uh, it's going to be a challenge though with that cap with because of COVID, the cap didn't go up very much right. at all. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. And I think that number one, everybody's going to look at Jimmy and be like, "Well, that salary's going to come off the books somehow." Like he's not. He's not playing at that salary this year, at $25 million this year. There's no way, uh, unless you want to start letting some of these guys go. So I think that they're going to have to find a solution for that, uh, whether it's through the draft, uh, whether it's getting Jimmy to take a pay cut. I don't think Jimmy wants to be here anymore, personally. Um, but they're going to have to find a solution to, to get that number down. And that's a good point, too, you, you just brought up. And you and I have talked about this off the air a little bit. Nobody's talking about what Jimmy really feels right now, right? If, if you're a proud guy, and I'm sure Garoppolo is, and he's been a starter in the league, and he did bring his team to a Super Bowl, he can see the writing on the wall, right? He's not a stupid guy. Maybe Jimmy doesn't want to be here anymore. I know he said all the right things, and of course you're going to say all the right things, but anybody who just has any pride, whether you're at your job or whatever, if you don't think someone wants you, at some point are you just going to kind of be like, well, screw, you, screw you, I, I want to go somewhere where somebody wants me. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the Bears, or I want to go to New England or something. Right. I don't think that side of it's been talked about enough where what's going through Jimmy's head. Cause you, you also made a good point a couple of times this year where he's been out there and playing like shit and you look at him in the sidelines and it's not that he doesn't care, but he just looks kind of like, is he really in this? I yeah. don't know. It's just different than last year. So you wonder if they obviously approached the Tom Brady situation last year. They basically came out and said that they considered it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's sticking in there. And then this year you have all the talk now. I mean, they haven't come out and said he's our guy. They have not said those words. Mm-hmm. They say, we expect Jimmy to be our quarterback. They have not said Jimmy is our quarterback. Jimmy will be back. He's our quarterback. No, they haven't said that. So he's not stupid. And people can put on their red and gold glasses all they want to and say like, oh, they said this and that. They did not. They mm-hmm. left the door open for an upgrade. 
Right. So, which is fine. I, I listen, I, I want them to upgrade. That's, that's fine. But if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I would probably be like, well, if they don't want me, I'm going to go somewhere that does. So here's my tinfoil hat theory on this because we're, we, because <laughs> we've been hypothesizing and hy- all of these hypothetical scenarios popping up on Twitter about Nick Bosa for Deshaun Watson straight up, which we're not even going to talk about. I'm just going to say that's stupid and ridiculous. And we're not even going to address that on the show. Not going to waste our show time on that. But here's what I think is ha- happening with Jimmy. The minute that they talk to Tom Brady, and I said this on another, on another podcast this week, the minute that they approached Tom Brady and Jimmy found out, he was checked out. Because think about this, Al. Like you said, you talk about any person who has any self-respect at any job. So he sat behind this guy for four years in New England, and he wanted to play. He was so happy to be traded to the 49ers because he would finally get a chance to play. Look, any athlete, ask, ask any athlete what they want to do. They want to play. Nobody likes sitting on the bench. Nobody likes that situation. Four years he sat the bench behind Tom Brady. Finally gets a shot here. He did very well in his first five games. We all know that. Got the big contract, got hurt. Came back in his first full season back. Helps the team go to the Super Bowl. What, what impact he had is debatable. We're not going to talk about that. But he was the quarterback when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. Right? He didn't play terribly well in the Super Bowl. We know that. So the Niners start flirting with the guy that he just got out from under a couple of seasons ago. I mean, how would you feel if that was you, right? And I'm not defending his actions, but I'm just saying, like, logically, how would you feel if that was you, Al? You wouldn't appreciate that, right? Like, you'd be pretty pissed. And Jimmy, if people can argue and be like, oh, Jimmy didn't know, they share the same agent. Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo have the same agent. You don't think, you don't think that J- Jimmy's agent told him that he was going on? So he checked out the moment that they flirted with Brady. He came into the season and basically it was just like a, like an, ah, whatever season. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't think he wants to be here anymore. And what I think he's going to do is I think he's going to try to force a release. So everybody's talking about, Oh, Jimmy isn't going to get his $25 million if he gets traded and this and that Al, he's not going to get that from anybody. No, no team is going to pay him that wherever, if he were to get traded, they're going to restructure his contract. So it's not about 25 million, number one. Number two, he's already, by the time he'll have been done here, he'll have made $74 million guaranteed. Okay, this guy is not starving for money. Number three, if the 49ers cut him, they save, they're basically the, the dead cap hit is $2.6 million, which is minimal. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for both sides if they were to release him. And I think that that's what Jimmy wants because then you're not getting traded to quarterback purgatory like the Jets or someplace like that. You get to pick where you want to go. And the two spots that I've been saying all along, if he's not here, the two spots that Jimmy's going to end up, number one, is back in New England because they have a need. We've heard them say that they're not going to bring Cam Newton back. Bill Belichick hates drafting quarterbacks early. So that's number one. Number two is Chicago, and that's home for him, right? He's from there. He, I don't even think he owns a house here in the Bay Area, right? Like his family still lives there. I so, so I think that that's what's going to happen is that he's going to refuse a pay cut. He's going to try to force a release. It'll be better for both sides. And he'll end up in one of those two, two spots. And the Niners will have to replace Jimmy either through trade or through the draft. And I think that's probably what's best for all, for all parties at this point. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. It really is. Um, again, if you told me this time last year, that all this would be happening. I'd have said you were crazy, but here we are. I, I, I can't believe one year from the next, the changes 
that have happened. It's just crazy. You know, it just looked like this time last year, I know Jimmy didn't have a good game against Minnesota, but you know, they were rolling and they're going to the Super Bowl. and all right, this team is set up for the next three or four years. And I don't know. It's just, I'm just, I, I need a little run of them being good for my sanity. <laughs> I, I mean, really do, man. It's crazy. Like, can you imagine if he made that throw to Sanders? We're not even talking. Yeah, about everything is different, right? Everything is different. Everything is different. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? There's so many things. It's not just that throw. Can you imagine if the defense held the lead? If mm-hmm. Colton called on third and 15, if Debo got the ball in the fourth quarter, that's one thing that, not to go on a tangent here, to this day, Al, nobody has been able to tell me. It's been almost 12 months. Nobody has been able to tell me to this day, Jimmy haters, Jimmy supporters alike, why Debo Samuel didn't get the ball in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Why? Yep. Why didn't he sure. touch the ball? And that's irrespective of your quarterback play because all you have to do is hand the ball off to him on a Debo sweep or throw him a little screen pass, a bubble screen. He was your best offensive player in the game, and he didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. Why? And nobody's been able to answer that because everybody wants to focus on the quarterback, holding the referees, that stuff. But it's like, dude, if you just gave him the ball, he probably would have done something with it. Yeah, it's 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 just enough to drive you crazy. It really is. Again, I always I always say that just the absolute kick kick kicks in the gut that we've gotten from this team. I, they're, they're good four years in the last twenty years, and it's been the four most excruciating losses you can ever imagine in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just awful. And the the fan base needs it to end. We need we need we need a run of some good luck is what we need. Doesn't even have have to be a championship. Just three or four years where it's not agony. <laughs> you know, it's just been agony. No, I want a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl win, <laughs> not just getting there. We were sitting on. Yeah, the- yeah, no, you know that's true. It, it, sitting- I don't want to keep my expectations low because I, I always say I grew up. I was a little kid in the '80s, but you know, grew up in the '90s. I, I expect, I expect the Niners to be among the top teams. I, I'll always have that in my head, whether it's realistic or not. Mm-hmm. It's like the Yankees. I expect them to be there. They're the they're the they're the forty freaking Niners, man. I, I expect them to be there. I know it hasn't been that way lately, but for people in our generation, it's it's the way we think of the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen four Super Bowls, right? Four or five, depending on how old we are. Like we've seen yeah. them win that many Super Bowls and countless playoff wins and championship games and stuff like that. It's like you know, yeah, that was a long time ago, but the, I mean, that's what we grew up on, right? And we've been sitting on five Super Bowls for almost thirty years now, man. I know, I know, it's crazy. That's unbelievable. It, it has. It was not, yeah, ninety four. Man, we're going to be thirty years pretty soon. Yeah. That's crazy to think. Yeah. And, you know, you think about when the Packers won with Favre, right? It seemed like forever for the Packers, right? When they won in 97 or 96 with Favre and everybody's talking about, oh, like Titletown is back and this and that. But it was less than 30 years for them. It was like 28 years. Right. 67, right? And then, yeah, so it was like 29 years for them. So Who you got, who you got this year? Who, you, who do you think is going to make it? Man, I so Seattle's out. First of all, ah, suckers. I just want to. I just wanna, <laughs> that's great. Um, Seattle's out, so really, I don't care at this point. But I think that, um, look, the Chiefs are are obviously the best team. I think in the league, uh, they proved it the entire year. Green Bay is basically the same team that they were last year, and they were only a game away. Mm-hmm. But then you got the Bills, and the Bills are the one team in the AFC I think that can give the Chiefs a lot of trouble. Because they can play defense and they can score. They can score with them. Like, I don't think Baltimore is going to really do anything. Like, I'm not, Lamar Jackson is not nearly the player he was last year and F. Greg Roman. So, yeah, that's not going to happen. And really, the Bills are the only team that I'm like, all right, cool. Like, these are the guys that can knock the Chiefs off. I would love to see the Bills in the Super Bowl. I would love to see on, on this side in the NFC, 
a Brady and Rogers championship game because that's like my dream. Like everybody's wanted to see that for right. their careers. So I'm hoping that Brady can pull it off against the Saints. I don't think the Saints are that good, honestly. Like I think the Breeze is kind of getting getting up there and, and he's not as effective. And to beat Tom Brady three times in one season, that's really hard. That's really hard. So I think it's going to be in championship games, it'll be KC and Buffalo. And uh, wait, can they, they can do that, right? They're playing opposite. Yeah, yep, yep. Okay, I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, KC and Buffalo. And on this side, it'll be Green Bay and, uh, and, and Tampa Bay, the Battle of the Bays. I think Green Bay gets through. I mean, Rodgers has just been amazing. I do too. I think it's their year, yeah. Yep. He's, he deserves more than one Super Bowl for his career. And I think it'll be a Green Bay and hopefully Buffalo. But my gut uh, says, I mean, my head says uh, uh, Green Bay and Casey. But my gut says Green Bay and Buffalo. Yep, I feel and, the same exact way. Same exact way. And I hope that Buffalo wins it. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. I'm going to circle the wagons. I'm going to jump on that Bills Mafia bandwagon. I'm going to say Buffalo wins it. It's funny because my, my wife's a Buffalo girl. and. We're watching the game, and I think it was Pascal. He he fell to the ground, and then he got up and fumbled, and they reviewed it and said it wasn't a fumble. It looked clearly looked like a fumble to me. Yeah. As soon as it happened, she's like, "It's over. They're gonna lose." Just because she's seen it so many years, and like you know what's gonna happen to the Bills. She's like, "I can't even watch. It's over. They're gonna find a way to lose." And when they won, she just like looked at the TV for like probably a solid minute with her mouth open, like just couldn't believe <laughs> they actually pulled it out. So maybe the luck is changing for the Bills. I'm definitely pulling for the Bills. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my part of the woods up here. Um, the Bills, actually, the Bills have been really good. I've covered a couple games in Buffalo, and, and they've been really good to me. So mm. I'm all about the Bills, man. I'm, I'm, I'm right on that bandwagon. I love Josh Allen. He might be my favorite player to watch right now. Um, yeah, man. I, I'm really, really, really going to be pulling for them. They deserve it. After, after the 90s, after those four straight losses, the butt of all the jokes, like, they deserve it. Yeah, and the Browns, too. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling for the Browns. They've, that, yeah. that fan base has been through hell. I mean, yeah. no fan base has been screwed more than, than the Cleveland Browns fan base has. So I'm really, that was a great win. I hate Ben Roethlisberger. I hate him. I loved seeing him throw four picks or whatever it was on Sunday night. All about the Browns. So if it's, listen, if it can ever somehow be an AFC championship game with the Browns and the Bills, that would be, all, I think it would be the greatest thing ever. It would be awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and by the time we do our next show, we'll know. I mean, we'll know who's in the championship game, possibly a Super yep. Bowl. Yep. So we'll see a lot of good stuff for Niners fans going coming up, man. I mean, I, I know it's, it's going to be a, a long off season, but a very important off season, right? Like we talk about the quarterback position. Kyle has a chance to fix this now for the first time. in and since the 2017 draft, he has a chance to really fix the quarterback position the way that he wants it because he got Jimmy. Jimmy wasn't necessarily his first pick, right? As, as well as Jimmy has played when he's healthy, like Kirk cousins was that was his pick, right? And I'm not saying bring Kirk cousins here, but I'm saying that Kyle has a chance to hit reset on that. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be this offseason is gonna be crazy. I, I I can't wait to see how it all plays out. And and listen, fans, tweet us questions, tweet at us. Zane and I love to interact. So do that. We love talking back and forth. Just don't ask us about Nick Bosa get traded. Yeah. We're not doing that. It's not anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, send us questions. So um yeah, it's gonna be fun playoffs too. So enjoy those for Zane. This is Al. Yep. Yeah.